podcast for those who suffer, which is everyone. It's a space where we can speak honestly about what it feels like to be in desolate places without losing hope. Welcome to In the Thicket. Welcome to the third episode in our Advent series. You may have noticed that our guests during this series shared in a different way than guests usually share. Generally, we ask guests to share from their own personal experience of suffering, but during this series, our guests have shared more from their area of expertise, and this is no exception this week. We have Anya, who is the campus minister at the University of Guelph, Newman Center, and she shares all about what it means to wait for Christ to come again. So she has a wealth of theological knowledge, and she talks about revelation, about time, our understanding of time. She talks about Our Lady. We talk about suffering and glory and all kinds of other things. It is a brain-exploding conversation, but such a good one. We hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Hello, Hello everyone. Good day, sir. Okay, yeah, there, there's not a man on this podcast, but there are hopefully some men listening. Hello, That's men right. listening. That's Thank you so much. We really appreciate right. you guys. Um, and actually, today is kind of cool because we have two people with music therapy backgrounds on the podcast, <laughs> which is un- never happened before. It's totally not. And it will may never happen again in the history of humanity. <laughs> That's right. So you might be witnessing something incredibly unique right An now. An historic event, as they say. <laughs> Not a historic event, an historic event. That's or right. an historic, right? Don't you drop the H if you use an historic Do you? Event? Oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, um, we got another friend who's completing her PhD in, in English literature. So maybe she can tell us that. Yes, yeah. Robin. Robin so. just submitted her PhD thesis. So this is a shout out to Robin. I'll tell her that she got mentioned in the podcast. <laughs> we need your help also. That's um, right. Uh, yeah, so we've got Anya. Anya, how do we pronounce your last name properly? Krzyzczyk, is that right? Did I just say it right? I've always said it that well, way. Well, there's the Polish way to pronounce it, but then in English, I usually just say it's Krzyzczyk, but it's like Woodchuck, but Chris. Krzyzczyk. Oh. Okay. Chris Chuck. And what, and I have Polish been way? butchering it. Yeah, what's the Polish way? That was, <laughs> that was it. it. Okay. That was it. Krzyzczyk. Okay. They like Krzyzczyk. English okay. in quotes way is like Krzyzczyk. Like that, like kind of the ang- anglicized way of saying it. But the mm-hmm. actual real I think it's Polish. the rolling R. Krzyzczak. That is so funny. <laughs> Listen, this happens every time I try Polish. Like I can be, I'm good with languages. Like I can imitate sounds, you know, Polish, no. Yes. <laughs> every time I try and say something like, Jezu ufam tobie. Like that's Jesus, I trust in you. Every time I try and say something, Polish people laugh at me like like <laughs> tell me a word to say um, yeah. just so and you I, know Aaron we laugh at you regardless of what you say. <laughs> I was just gonna say it's quite possible that you mispronounce words in other languages as well but those people just don't laugh at you the that's difference right. is the that's Polish right people that could be you. absolutely <laughs> true yeah that certainly comes from love oh yeah. that's nice that's good <laughs> that's you know this reminds me of um a little phrase that my uncle likes to say when somebody does something silly and you know everybody kind of is chuckling then he'll be like don't worry we're not laughing at you we're laughing, we're laughing at you <laughs> always felt awesome. excellent i thought that's he was so gonna cute. say the thing where people said we're not laughing at you we're laughing with you right which that's is always that's a joke when you're not joke laughing is, 
better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's better. I like yeah, that. It is better. <laughs> I mean, too. I like mm-hmm. it. Um, so Anya is world famous. She's known across the globe. I've traveled with Great. her to Australia. We have people in Australia that know her. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a wonderful, wonderful person. Uh, but maybe there are some out there, Anya, who don't know much about you. So maybe if you could just share real quick a little bit about Anya Krischuk. Okay, right? nice. there, no, I didn't. See? That's happening. Yes. Wow. Anyway, uh, so I work <laughs> just snorted. I work at the Newman Center, Guelph, in Guelph, uh, with nice. Father Mark Morley. He's the chaplain mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And we're at the University of Guelph. Yay. Yay. Shout out to Guelph. Yeah. And where are you from originally, Anya? Like, where did you, where did you grow up? And I was born you- and raised in Kitchener. Oh, and for all our American listeners, this, this, these are all Toronto or not Toronto. Wow. That was a misspeak. <laughs> I did not mean to say that. These are all Ontario places. That's what I meant to say. Not everywhere in Canada. That's is what Toronto. someone from Toronto says. Yeah, oh, these are all right. Toronto exactly. places. We right. own everything. That's right. right. Exactly. That's very true. <laughs> That's Kitchener very true. Well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And Anya, so you mentioned that you have a background in music therapy, but you have studied all kinds of things. So can you maybe share with us like what all um, your scholastic adventures? Sure. Um, I have a master's degree in um, psychology, developmental psychopathology specifically. Mm-hmm. And then I have a master's degree in theology. And, and your so, undergrad in, in music therapy. Music therapy and psych. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. Cool. That's awesome. What did you study for um, for theology? Like, what was your what was your kind of like? Were you moral theology, systematics? Actually, yeah, it was moral theology. But I'm a Pinkers person. Yes. Oh, do you surveys <laughs> Pinkers? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. That's another I'm name not... that nobody knows how to say. S e r v a i s. Right. So there sur- you go. Surveys. Surveys. Surveys Pinkers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Had a lot to do with the renewal of moral theology mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and especially yeah. the re um reclaiming of the new law mm-hmm. okay and okay this is a cool fact which um we may we may cut out if you don't want us to share but i know that you studied for a time at least in in great britain in england can you tell us a little bit about that and where you studied and some cool facts about it that i already know but i want everybody else to know <laughs> Okay, awesome. so I studied at the Maryvale Institute, uh, which is now a pontifical pontifical institute, and it's um, it's an amazing place. It was founded by John Henry Cardinal Newman, mm-hmm. and that's the reason I love it so much. Um, they have a different approach to education, and uh, that was the funnest time for me to to hang out with all the profs and all the other students and um, sip my whiskey and chat with them. Totally. Yeah, because he ha- he understood learning not just to be um, like in a classroom. Mm-hmm. So sharing of ideas and conversation was uh, very, very important to him. And so they followed mm-hmm. that model for an educated laity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that's really cool. And yeah, it's so beautiful. Didn't yeah. you get like kind of a sneak peek into a Newman situation? Is that, is am I allowed to ask you about that? Oh, <laughs> so um, everybody, like, um, in the Institute, there are dorm rooms, and um, I was blessed with being able to stay in Cardinal Newman's bedroom. Are Come you on. serious? Oh, right? I, was, I was so thrilled. It was amazing. So um, cool. In the closet, 
of his bedroom. It's on the second floor. They have a window that you crank open into the chapel for Eucharistic adoration. And so the window blocks you from being seen, but you get to see everything. And um, the the window sill is actually tilted so that it's... um, it's actually a built-in kneeler. And so oh. there's a kneeler and the the sill is tilted. It's very comfortable and it's just perfect. I thought that it was, was like, the gosh. coolest thing. Yeah, yeah that, I just loved watching Erin's so cool. face during this because <laughs> it was just incredulous. Just her is what mind I was, is going to mush. Like a mixture like, of awe and jealousy and like <laughs> all of the things. And it's so fun. See, this is why we had some comments on social media when we put up the, the people who were going to be with us for Advent. And there were definitely some comments about Anya and how cool she is. And I'm like, this yeah. is why. This There's is, like you know, so like, many stories. It's true. Yeah. It's I mean, true. and not just, but who you are, Anya. So not <laughs> not in a, you know, utilitarian way, just your stories. You are cool. Yeah, oh, you are. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, only, actually, only because you stayed in Carnot Lumen's room. That's the only reason That's right. that yeah, you're, sure. she just transferred yeah. his coolness to you. And, and now you will be Great. forever. Yeah. I'll just tell you the name of the room because I was embarrassed to stay there when I first got the name assignment because most of the um, new section has just numbers, but the Mm -hmm. old section of the house has um, names and my, his room, my room is called the horny toad room oh my goodness (laughs) well that's why i was a little surprised (laughs) that's so funny and is that like is that an homage to newman himself like you know the dumbass is like a coin like that would it sounds like the name of a pub yeah it does (laughs) yeah you know yeah but it is a toad it's a real it's a type of of toad Toad. Yes, there yes. you go. Yep. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I really hope that that's not his moniker, like Dumbox yeah. kind of. That <laughs> I don't would think be, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that would be terrible. <laughs> that would be terrible. Oh man. Um. Okay. So, Anya, we're so grateful that you're here, and we mm. wanted to talk to you today about um, uh, Advent and its connection with the Second Coming of Christ, really, um, and waiting, <laughs> and how all those things tie in together because this whole series is about waiting and how it can be really tough to be in a situation where um, something isn't resolved or you are expecting something but in that in-between kind of stage. So we all in a way in the church are in this in-between stage. We're waiting for the second coming of Christ. Um, And yeah, we just want to unpack that a little bit with you today. So maybe you start us off just talking about, we talked about before the podcast started time. What is even, if you're waiting, you're waiting in time. And what does that even mean? So maybe (laughs) share some of your thoughts about that. Yes. Thank you. Um, So, so this is something that's actually quite unique to the Jewish people right? All the other cultures, all of them, uh, from the Egyptians to the Greeks to Babylonians, they all had a circular understanding of time, right? Mm. And it was because of the seasons, right? So Mm. they wouldn't say things like, um, oh, spring is coming and oh, look, it's almost fall. (laughs) No, it springs, it falls. Oh, because it was understood to to continuously go on and on. Mm-hmm. And so there's this never-ending understanding of time, as if time were a god. And indeed, the sun, moon, and stars were always worshipped as gods in almost all the 
the ancient cultures, right? Mm. And so it, that's why when uh, in the book of Genesis, we read that on the fourth day, God created the sun, moon, and stars. What he's actually creating there is, is not just those realities, but also time itself, right? Mm. The sun tells you the time of day, the moon mm. tells you the time of month, and the stars tell you the time of year. And so when he created these things, all of a sudden, um, he describes them as lamps in the sky, one to rule the day, one to rule the night. Oh, and he made the stars, like almost a throwaway line. Mm -hmm. And um, meanwhile, these are the gods that the ancients worshipped, right? And right. so it changed everything for the Jewish people. And so if God created time, and there was an actual beginning to time, because the first three days, there's no mention of it. It's created on the fourth day. Then perhaps there's an end to time. And right. yeah, the end times is something that, <laughs> right? Especially during Advent, we talk quite a bit about. Mm -hmm. And it's because time actually can have an end. But, but that actually brings us to another um, theological concept of what does the word end mean? Because this mm. is the big mistake about the book of Revelation. Everyone thinks that it's about when time physically or actually ends, right? Mm -hmm. And it is that. But that's not what it means when we talk about the end of time. We're talking about its end in terms of its purpose. It's telos, right? right? right. For what end were you created? For what end was time created? Right. And so when we talk about the end times, that's what we're, we're really focusing on. And so it's, it's much richer than people might, might suspect. Mm -hmm. And it's not as scary, I would say, um, mm -hmm. if, you, if you understand it from that perspective. So if you're looking at the book of Revelation, right. and we read quite a bit, right, during Advent about the book of Revelation, mm -hmm. or... Um, I know we're reading from the Gospel of Luke right now, and um, we have to realize that in the first three synoptic Gospels, right, mm -hmm. your A, B, and C, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, there, there's always a little apocalypse at the end of each of those books, right? Right. And John doesn't have a little apocalypse because he wrote a separate book called The Apocalypse. Right. right. So he's got a big apocalypse yeah. as a separate book. So, um, but this is a major portion of every single gospel, right? The mm -hmm. end times. And so um, we're waiting not just for the end of time, but for the fulfillment of time in Christ. Right. The fulfillment of all things in Christ, when God will be all in all. Mm. That's what we're looking forward to. And that's what the second coming of Christ is all about. Mm -hmm. I love that. I don't, think, I don't think I've ever thought of it really honestly that way, because I've never been scared sort of for the second coming of Christ. Because I'm like, oh, he's coming. Like, I love him. Great. You know, <laughs> I want him to come again. Yeah. But um, and Erin always jokes actually on you on our podcast. She's like, all right, Jesus, we're ready. We're ready for you any day now. Come on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but I, I think that is, it's such a beautiful, um, shift in, in our lens to think about it as the fulfillment, because in a way, when you think of the end of something like time, which we're all part of, it can be a little bit scary. You're like, oh my goodness, this is what's what it's, it just is totally mm. unknown. But when you think of it as the fulfillment, it sort of shifts it for me anyways. And I feel like, oh, it's everything that I'm longing for that, that 
comes together, like what I was really created for my whole heart will be just filled because this is the fulfillment, you know, and that's a different kind of thing to look forward to mm-hmm. than the end of time. Yeah. yeah. Here's a, I have a question. So I'm, I'm, we were saying this beforehand. I'm the one here who does not have formal theological. Well, actually I have a minor in biblical and theological studies from undergrad. So this is not true. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, you know, when we're talking about time, I remember reading, I think it was in like a Peter Kreft book about the concept of time and differentiating between like chronos time. So the chronological kind of time and Kairos time, which is, he described it as, um, that, that sense of time when you're so, uh, you know, so like, like people say time flies when you're having fun, right? But like when you're so involved in a moment that you lose sense of time and it's just, you're just in this moment and it's wonderful. Um, and that, you know, that, that chronos time, like the chronological time, that's the one that's the creation that will end, but that we get glimpses of this other sense of, of time, um, sometimes even while we're living in this, in this creation of time of this, um, and that that is what we have to look forward to, um, I guess, both in heaven and then at the end of time. So is that, is that correct? Is this, this is just something that I've always been like, Oh, that sounds great. That makes sense. Okay, cool. But so in other words, is Anya going to overrule Peter Kreft? Or- <laughs> also Peter Kreft Kreft's name is another name that is always confusing that's right. to know how. Peter oh, yeah. Is it? Yes. Kreft is it yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, Nicole, I think it's so fabulous that you actually brought that up. Thank you. Um, you are very, very correct. Um, the Greeks, they depicted time in two different ways, with Kronos being an elderly man with a long beard and aged with the staff, and he's marching onward ever slowly, constantly going, and there's no way to stop him. Very determined. And Kairos, Kairos was depicted as a very sprightly young imp, or elf or something like that. And um, he would kind of like burst in and burst out and just do whatever he wants to do. And I think that we need to understand this concept because this is what makes sense of mass and well, Mm. everything. Because love is the mechanism that modifies Kairos time. Right. So when you enter into love, that's when you, um, like, like when you're with the person you love, it can feel like time flies, just mm-hmm. like you were saying, right? But it also can, can collapse time in a different way so that um, when you enter into mass, you are there at the foot of the cross, mm-hmm. right? And we have um, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, they're the same event, Good Friday and Holy Thursday, the same day. Easter Sunday, the resurrection, it's the same thing. It's the triduum. It's all the same event, right? Because of Kairos time. So time is measured differently um, when you are looking through the lens of love. Hmm. And that's why everything that you do, when we say like at mass, let us prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. Hmm. It's it's like buckle your seatbelts. We are entering into Kairos time. Right, we're gonna take. They you. should put that in the new lectionary. <laughs> <laughs> that be so funny. That be funny. I'm just picturing that right now. All right, All right. Of the Father, seat- buckle your seatbelts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, um, I interrupted, but that was no. too good. Okay, keep going. Sorry. No, so we we enter into mm. heaven 
right? We mm. enter, we go back in time to, to the events. We go back to the prophecies, right? We celebrate with the Jews the Passover. It's, it's the same event, and it's being prefigured and it's being celebrated in different ways, but we are there with them. Just like the Jews yeah. at Passover would say, why is this night different than every other night? Mm-hmm. And they would go back and because we are slaves. We were slaves. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you're not. You're living in Canada. No, we were slaves because you understand Cairo's time. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. Even the incarnation, like I've heard it. Um, spoken about before about like the church being like Mary's womb and how um, when the Eucharist, it, when transubstantiation happens, that this is the incarnation like happening with us in that in that time with us, which is like mind blowing, you know, when you when you think about it. And if I could take that just one step further mm-hmm. and say, this is why Mary is called the fullness of time, right? Right, Because eternity, God, enters right. into her. And now time can no longer be linear. It's, it's expanded. It's bursting at the seams like a pregnant woman almost, right? Yeah. Because um, she is the fullness of time when heaven and earth meet. And that's why she is clothed with time, with the sun, the moon, mm. and the sun. Oh, yeah. Right? So she is depicted in the book of Revelation as the fullness of time. That is so cool. I have never, I've always been like, what? Like, I was like, it's a cool crown, but like, I don't get it. You know, I'm like, that's nice. Yeah. It's it's beautiful. You don't like to look at it. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I was thought of it as like, she's the queen of heaven and usually the, you know, sun, moon, stars like depict or like, you know, symbols of Mm. heaven sometimes, but that's even cooler. Wait. Actually, wow, that is interesting. I'm not counting that. That is true too. She is the queen of heaven, Mm -hmm. but it's because she is the fullness of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It um, it it makes me think too about like even when we're talking in this series, sort of about like waiting for healing or waiting for clarity, waiting for Christ to come again. Like this idea of waiting, and in some sense, like how painful it can be. And I think part of that pain is because of our telos you know like of what we were created for is outside is out is like this kairos time you know so when we're experiencing this chronos time and the like the pain it's like there's a pain associated with that because we know we're not in what we were created for you know which makes a lot of sense when you think about those two aspects of time yeah Yeah. and one of the things that you're you're drawing into it as well is the element of rest right? Mm. Because we are laboring now, we're constantly working towards our end, our purpose, and there will be a day of rest. And that eternal day of rest is, you know, into what we pray for people when they die, right? Mm. Um, May they rest in peace, the eternal rest. But what we realize is that we're preparing for that with every Sunday, right? Mm -hmm. The Lord's day, the day of rest. And, And it's funny because when you think of the brain and the body, the brain and the body rest in completely different ways, mm-hmm. right? The body physically need to, to slow down, do nothing, be, you know, be kind of sedentary. But the brain rests when it's at sleep, 
when we are at sleep and the brain is is most active, mm-hmm. it's when all those restraints of trying to focus or, or uh, control the brain mm-hmm. are lifted and it's the dream state. So the brain just fires randomly. All these crazy things are happening. And so it's most active in your dreams. Mm-hmm. But the soul rests in a different way. Um, the soul rests only in God. And that's why we, we can't just understand Sunday as a day of rest in terms of not doing something or not, you know, <laughs> not going mm-hmm. to the football game. Or right. Something. No, it's we have to enter into relationship with God because it's only in God that our souls are at rest. Mm. And, and so this idea of the end of time being an eternal rest, entering into God's presence where he realigns you, where he, he reconfigures you to Christ right? Mm. So that eternally, when you are there in heaven, you are perfected in glory, you are configured to Christ, and you know how to spend that time of rest, because you are in that love of God, God who is love, right? This perfect circle of love, this union of love. Mm. I have, I have two thoughts as you're speaking, Anya, one of those, and I, I'll just say, I'm, I'm really, I'm a little tired this morning, you know, it's been a, it's been a bit of a week. <laughs> Um, and so as I'm listening to this, I'm like, that sounds great. Let's do that. Like, that rest. sounds great. You know, that rest. Um, but I, you know, and then I, um, I think that's, I think there's something like, that's, that's a real thing. I think a lot of us maybe have, I don't think of my mom, um, often when, whatever, there's something really tough or things. I think I've maybe mentioned this on the podcast before, but she has this line where she'll be like, I was not made for this. I was made for heaven. Like, you know, um, and, and I think that's really true. And that's something, you know, I don't know. It's um, how does this, you know, knowledge about the end of time, which has it, you know, it's, there's the end of time ultimately. And there's also the end of our time, right. In, in our own death, which we don't know which of those will happen first probably death, but who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but either way we get to go and have that rest with God, but how does that knowledge, how can that affect, you know, our outlook on life and we're just going through the everyday stuff and the difficult things. I don't know if there's, if you have some Perfect. thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so, you know, St. Augustine's famous line, our hearts are restless mm-hmm. until they rest in you. Right. Mm-hmm. From the <laughs> first few pages of confessions. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what we need to adopt, what you're, you're alluding to there, is, is what we call an eschatological perspective, right? So the fact that we realize that we are made for heaven and that everything we do is either a step toward or a step away. And, and our hearts are restless and there is going to be this tension within us until we finally um, attain our purpose and unite ourselves perfectly with God. Right. And um, that happens, this attaining of your purpose, it happens when you keep in mind your um, eschatological perspective. Right. If, yeah. if you adopt that, which means you understand that this is temporal. Right. This life is going to end. This is not what you're made for. You always have to keep your mind on heaven. And this is what the the great Benedictine order used to do, right? They used Mm -hmm. to have on every desk a skull. And it was an actual human skull. And they would put their two fingers in the eye sockets and their their thumb in the nose socket. And um, no matter what they were doing, 
it was a, a physical and mental meditation on death, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and um, so the, the Latin lines, um, well, everybody knows, Tempus fugit, time flies. Oh, death approaches. Mm-hmm. Therefore, carpe diem. Mm. I want to say carpet everything, but no, it's <laughs> seize the day, right? Seize yeah. the day. Yeah. And, and so that's what it means to have um, an eschatological perspective. And I think that's what you mean, that it, when you have that, everything changes in your life, right? You realize what's important and you know how to balance things, mm. right? You don't stress over the small things. Yeah. 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 It reminds me actually of even Sister Miriam, what what she was talking about, about God's kindness, because even that, like coming into this eschatological perspective or way of living is a process, you know, like, especially because we're so like, for me, I'm like, I can feel it totally right now in my life. I'm like, okay, there's, uh, there's things that I'm drawn to that are low and earthly that are immediately, I don't know, gratifying or distracting or something like that, that, or, or even just ways that I become preoccupied with the things that are in my kind of immediate life that are, that I don't, that I'm not seeing, that I know I'm not seeing in terms of, um, like my eschatological, like where that I'm creative for heaven, you know, and like viewing everything in light of that. Um, but it was interesting because I had a couple of days ago this moment when I was praying and, and it was like, it's so funny because I've been watching Grey's Anatomy. And if you watch Grey's Anatomy, the love story between Derek Shepard and Meredith Grey is like a weird love story. Like I would say there's very lots of imperfections there. It's not really a Christian thing, but anyways, but, um, but it was like the Lord brought that to my mind. It's like, I love you. Like Derek loves Meredith, <laughs> but like not like it, he's such a joker, you know, it was like in the sense of like Derek sees something in Meredith. He's not afraid of her imperfections. He's not afraid of her slowness. He's not afraid of her wounds or of like, you know, and so it was like that sense of like the Lord, he also doesn't hold it against us. Right. Like we know what we're created for, but also he doesn't hold our own um, slowness to grasp it against us, if that makes sense, you know, mm-hmm. which is also something really beautiful, I think. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. The Lord. Incredible. The patience, yeah. the kindness, the patience, the love. Right. He's a good guy. <laughs> He's a good Lord. That's right. That's right. He's a good Lord. Yeah. Um, no, I actually. And the other thing that was striking me was. So it kind of all ties together a little bit, but with some of the other episodes we've done, because when we were talking to Father Edmund, he um, he was saying, you know, when you have, we're talking about uncertainty, if you're looking for your vocation or you're, ha- you're having uncertainty, which we were even, we, some of us are experiencing who are on this podcast, but like we he said, you have to remind yourself of the love of God. And, and it sort of is connecting with what you're saying when you, when you say it's love that that mm. impacts or orders or in a way commands that Kairos time. And it's so interesting to me because if I, because if I want to enter more into 
Kairos time, really it's a call to enter more into love. The more that I look at the Lord and, and, and fall in love with him and receive his love and maybe first and foremost, like really receive his love, because I think that's, there's such yeah. a broken in us and brokenness in all of us really believing that God loves us. And we always come back to that in some way, shape or form in our podcast, like that really we need to know that God loves us and mm. entering into that it, it, it has a real impact on all these other, um, experiences in our lives, that tension in our hearts, that desire for heaven, you know, and it, it's so funny because it's actually such a simple, it's the most simple response is, oh, to go back to the Lord's love for me and to fall in love with God. That's really it, you know? And it's so funny because everything we've talked about, comes back to just that and is really simple. But like you said, Aaron, it, it sometimes we're really slow and sometimes it takes, it's a process, mm. but it's a relief to me to, that it's that simple. I love that. It's that simple. I love that. I yeah. don't have to finish my master's in theology to be able to experience what that's right. And I then God for. will love you. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, but this is a good question too, because even um, if we're looking about, like you're talking about the Paschal kind of like um, the Triduum is one experience. Like it's one day, it's one kind of um, unified movement. Right. Um, and, and like part of what I got to write about in my thesis was like this link between love and suffering, right? Like on the cross, Christ tied suffering to love. Like it is linked inseparably to that, but also it's linked inseparably to glory, right? Like all in that. So I'm wondering if you might like kind of comment on, on that, like of where suffering kind of fits into things and, and a little bit about what that looks like. Okay. Thank you. I'd love to. Um, <laughs> so um, I, I think we need to start with uh, the nature of God mm. and, and go back to Trinity, back to the Trinity before time was created, before human beings were created. What was the Trinity doing? And, and that's where you find um, that it is the love that never ends, right? Has no beginning, has no end. But it's not love. Um, like sometimes we we miss um, name certain things as love, mm. and and so there there's um, if love is love, if God is love, then God is the highest form of love there can be. Right. And and so we've all heard of like eros, uh, which is. Um, sexual love <laughs> right and filio um there's there's romantic love and then there's uh brotherly love friendship uh but agape is is a different type of love right it's mm. the, like the deep self-giving love and that's what like john paul ii would call us to that right to imitate god in that this gift of self total gift of self and so when we look at the trinity before all of creation what we see is the father loving the son so totally so completely so fully that he gives himself to his son holding nothing back right it's a total self-emptying right Mm -hmm. kenosis is what self-emptying means. And so he pours himself out in love to the son. And the son, he, sorry, I should say, he pours himself out in love to the son so totally, so completely, holding nothing back that if he were not God, he would cease to exist. Mm -hmm. Right? That's how complete that gift of self is. 
And the son receives that gift of self and he reciprocates and he pours himself out in love to the father, totally, completely holding nothing back so much so that if he were not God, he would cease to exist. Mm. And that, that love that they exchange between themselves is so perfect, lacking nothing. It is another person. It has the fullness of life. Um, this love is the Holy Spirit, right? And so you have this self-emptying kind of love. And then creation, right? Out of mm. that love, it's almost as if God can't contain himself. He loves so much that it overflows, and that's what creation is. And he mm. pours his love out upon creation. And then we fall because he gives us freedom, right? Gives us this free will. And when we fall, he doesn't abandon us. He doesn't start fresh, <laughs> you know, and <Yeah>. use humanity. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. He loves so deeply, so much. And um, I, I go to Philippians 3, um, one of my favorite passages, right? Um, Though he was in the form of God, he did not see equality with God as something to be grasped or exploited, right? Mm. Rather, he humbled himself, um, obediently accepting um, the form of a slave, right? Become, mm. Being found in human likeness. So there's this self-emptying, and he comes down, becomes a human being. but. It doesn't end there. As a human being, he demonstrates for us how to love with a divine love. And being found in human likeness, he emptied himself all the more, right? Obediently accepting even death, death on a cross, right? So there's this double fold of self-emptying. And, and theologians have struggled with that for a long, long time. Mm. And um, it's interesting because that word, although he was in the form of God, that's actually not the the Greek the Greek word. I can't remember what it is, but um, you don't translate it. That's not the first translation you would use. Um, actually, the first translation is because because mm. he was in the form of God, mm. right? It's not an antithesis to his nature right. to humble himself and self-empty. Rather, if we understand understand that as an expression of his nature. Right. It's because he is God that he doesn't mind humiliating himself. That's what love does. Right. Mm. Right. You ask any mother, any father, right? That's what love does. You, out of the love, you're willing to go to the depths for someone else. Mm. And it doesn't matter if it's a poopy diaper. It doesn't matter if they throw up. It doesn't matter uh, what they look like. It's pure love, right? And so he descends in this way to demonstrate to us how to love. And so when we want to, like, um, St. Thomas Aquinas used the, the terms exitus reditus. Reditus, yeah. Right? And, and that's the one way we can summarize um, the whole action, the, the divine action. He comes out, exitus, out of himself into the world, out of his humanity, into the depths of the cross, right? Constantly self-emptying. And he gathers all of us with him. And now we return with him to the Father. And so, um, actually, we're, we've come back to <laughs> one of the things we were talking about at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, what is our end purpose? What is our goal? And that's when Christ 
brings us with himself, incorporates us into his own mystical body. Corpus means body, right? Corpus Christi. Incorporates us into his mystical body so that when he makes this self-sacrifice to the Father, which he eternally has always done, now you and I are part of that right? Mm. We're part of that. It's a gift of self, but guess what? He's included us in his mystical body. Right. right. And this is why, this is why when we enter into the mass, the liturgy of the mass, we go into the church, right? And churches are typically cruciform, Mm. right? Yeah. We are ascending the cross with Christ. And we stand as one body, we kneel as one body, we sit as one body. And we, we try to, to convey through everything we say and do with, um, without having spontaneous prayers. No, we want to speak with one voice because we are one body in Christ. We want to have um, one chalice, not several little tiny ones like in other traditions they have, right, for the mm-hmm. communion. Um, we want to sit on one big, long chair. <laughs> <laughs> we call it a pew, right? Not individual chairs. Everything in the church is focusing our attention on the fact that we are one body. Right. And so we are there and we offer ourselves with Christ to the Father, totally, completely holding nothing back. And here we get to the suffering once again, because now he's got the wounds, right? Mm-hmm. He's got his wounds. And what happens? If there's one of us during Mass, or, or even who doesn't go to Mass, who says, you know what, I don't want to give myself to the Father. I am holding back. Like, he actually gives us that kind of power that even one person prevents him, as a mystical body, from giving himself totally and completely to the Father, which he has done from all eternity. We are, we are limiting the divine action of God right? By not surrendering to it. But this is the thing that he, and so there is suffering. There will always be suffering. But, but that suffering is transformative because he's drawing us into himself, into his um, endless love, right? With the Father, with the Holy Spirit. He's drawing us into himself. And, and it's one of those most beautiful things that as he's drawing us in, he's transforming us. As we're being transformed, we are being conformed to him. Mm-hmm. And so um, it starts with the redemption that we were redeemed, but now it goes through the process of sanctification and ultimately glorification. And so everything that God does in this time of waiting, in this time of suffering, it's, it's to mold us and to shape us and conform us into Christ so that we can love totally and completely holding nothing back and Mm. surrender ourselves completely to God in this kenosis of his, right? That we participate in that kind of a kenosis. Mm -hmm. And so the invitation that we've been given by God, merely by being created in his image and likeness is so phenomenal, right? That, Mm. um, the power he gives us, the respect, the the patience with it, which he waits, mm-hmm. but but he gathers us to himself, and and we should also mention we in our bodies as, as humanity, like all the animals, the plants, the minerals, they're all part of us, right? 
Um, every person has some, some iron, some copper. We, mm. we gather into the human person, the crown of creation, all of creation. Mm. And we are given that voice with which to glorify God and that freedom with which to say yes. And so all of creation is gathered into the human person and all the humanity is gathered into Christ. And then he takes himself and he presents himself to the Father so that God can be all in all. Mm-hmm. And that will be the end of time. That's right. Yeah. Like the fulfillment of time, like the, the yes. fulfillment is when there's a complete offering of Christ to the Father without reserve with all of the members of of his body also like everything offered without reserve finally to the Father. And yeah. So oh sorry, Nicole, do you want to say something? Oh well I was just okay. Yeah, I I have a question, I guess. And so it's it's so beautiful to hear, you know, we talked about okay, the beginning of time, the end of time, and then this as you were just saying, Anya, like basically the story, like here's the story and then here's where we are. You are here, you know, on the map and um, this waiting part. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, so I was just thinking, you know, the first Sunday of Advent is focused on this sort of end of time. Right. And we often hear the phrase of um, like, be watchful and ready um, because you don't know, you know, when, when the, the Lord is going to come back. Yeah. The hour the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what, you know, what does that mean to be watchful and ready, you know, here in our time of waiting and suffering and not knowing the time of our own deaths and not knowing the time of when the Lord is going to come back? What does it mean to be watchful and ready? Mm-hmm. Um, well, today is Saturday. Oh, are we? A, that's oh, okay. yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, we're Saturday. recording on a Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're recording on Saturday. Hanya um, just gave away all of the secrets oh, of the book. No, so just sorry. <laughs> I was uh, referring to the second, the readings from the second Sunday of Advent. Mm -hmm. Um, And and those readings, um, St. Luke basically answers your question, right? Mm -hmm. He said, St. John, John the Baptist, right? Um, I can't remember exactly what the reading is, but something like in the 15th year uh, when Tiberius was emperor of Mm -hmm. Rome, uh, when... Pontius Pilate was governor of this and when Herod was king of Galilee and (laughs) his brother Philip was something else and like he's situating everything in this time right Mm -hmm. and then he says um and John son of Zechariah right uh was in the wilderness and the word of God came to him right the word of God came to him um so he receives the word of God. Mm-hmm. And he goes out and he prepares people. And what does he say? How does he prepare? Um, repent for the forgiveness of your sins. The, there are so many different ways to prepare for Christ's coming, his first coming in, that we celebrate in every Christmas, but also his second coming ultimately. And the first and most important and best and only one that you need is to make sure that you're in the state of grace, that Mm -hmm. you are united with him so that you can fully participate in everything, right? That you can continue to receive his grace, that you are alive, that you're not dead, that you are alive in Christ, that you are um, living, partaking in the life of the Trinity, 
that you can receive sanctifying grace again and again and any actual grace that God is willing to bestow upon you, right? That this is such a beautiful thing that if you are in the state of grace, if you are spiritually alive in Christ, um, you're prepared. I think it sometimes sounds crazy. Like sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, Christ is gathering us and we're the, you know, and then presenting us to Father. It sounds like, it sounds like some kind of crazy myth or something like that. Sometimes I feel like, you know, our brains can go in that direction, mm-hmm. but it, I, experience it. And so what you said there at the end of like, we really just need to be alive in Christ. I think when we experience what it means to be alive in Christ, even now, like in the lives that we're currently living, it's not crazy because that's the experience that you have. You have this experience of longing to be united with God and you experience some consolation of what, what that could actually mean, maybe like a molecule of what it will be mm. in heaven. But you do, God gives us those real molecules, those real experiences. And I think, you know, it is absolutely right for us to to pursue that wholeheartedly with every fiber in our being to go to be open to this gift that God wants to give us all because it's real. It's not crazy. It's not a story. It's not a myth. It's reality. It actually is reality. And I think, you know, we, we, it has to be lived. It has to be lived. There's no other way than that. It can't just be thought. These are all Mm -hmm. lovely things that we're talking about, but we have to live them, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is, there's a comfort to that. At least, you know, for me, when I'm going through something tough, I remember there was something I was going through a few months ago and I was talking to a friend and, and she just listened and was like, yeah, you know, I don't really know what to tell you, but she's like, this might be kind of weird, but this helps me just to remember that, like, you're, you're going to die someday, you know, <laughs> just like that <laughs> reminder of like, so you know, good. this, you, this moment that you're in is not the whole thing. Um, and so, yeah, this reminded and it, it, it helped. Like yeah. it was just, it kind of took me out of the moment of, oh yeah, right. This is what, what, what is this about? You know, um, of course there's times when we need to process what's happening and, and that's good. And, and, and part of what that means to be growing in aliveness, right. Is, is growing in that yes. self-awareness or healing or whatever that is, mm-hmm. but also to remember that, um, this is not the end of the story. And if, if there is, um, if there is something that I'm growing in through this, if I'm growing in love through whatever this experience is, then that's, there's something good, even though it hurts, I don't like it, but there's something good. And that is a, com- I, I do find that comforting mm-hmm. when I'm going through stuff. Um, yep. So it's, it's, there's a really practical, I think, element to, to all of what we're talking about today, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And really we get to be in touch with that when we're just like, you're talking about Anya with the rest of the soul, you know, like with when there's that encounter with the divine, which is why prayer is so important, like prayer and accessing the sacraments and, you know, like mass attendance when we get like all of the things that are just fundamentally basic Catholic things you know are are there exactly because because it helps us to have that eschatological view you know like even the art that surrounds us like all of those Mm -hmm. kind of things because if we have some kind of that it's like you say nicole it's like there's like it's a reminder that what i physically can see in front of me right now is not the entire there's something else happening here that i don't know about right and, and it's, it's so part of God's movement. Stay tuned. It's part yeah. of God's yeah. eternal movement in and all of honestly, creation. It's true. And honestly, like, Ani, you are a mm-hmm. jokester and a prankster and stuff. And I think <laughs> we all enjoy a good laugh. And I think part of that perspective allows you to take yourself 
a little less seriously, you know, mm-hmm. like, you, like what's that G- GK Chesterton quote about angels? Like, oh, angels fly because they take themselves lightly. Lightly, yeah. right? And so, uh-huh. I, I mean, obviously we're not angels, we're, we're human beings, but I think there's something in, oh, there Aaron's you go. has got wow. the pillow. It's on wow. a pillow in Aaron's home. Of course she does. <laughs> right. That is amazing. So if you guys need to check that out on YouTube or we got to post it on Instagram yeah. or something. But um, uh, yeah. So speaking of taking ourselves lightly, uh, mm. Godwink, take it away, Nicole. Sure. Um, yeah. So this is something that happened this week. Um, I'm so I'm, I am working as a university professor and I'm teaching music therapy and I love, I love it so much. It's wonderful, you know, at least so far one semester in, um, but it's been great. Uh, but I'm also continuing to, I'm finishing up the last, uh, parts of my PhD and it's, it's been challenging to do that while working. And also just that the toll of having moved to a new country and a new city and told everything is new, that, that just, it sort of is a little more draining mentally than I, than I realized it would be, you know? And so it's been, it's been tough to, to kind of keep all that stuff up and I've been doing the best I can and all of that anyways, but I was just stressing about it a little this week and just kind of. Um, yeah, just feeling a little overwhelmed with that. Anyway, so I, I got home and there was a letter in the, my mailbox and I recognized the name. I was like, why, who is this? I don't, what is it? And like, like a little note card in beautiful writing. And I opened it up and it was a little note from this woman who is in her, I forget how old she is, but she's a, an older woman, um, who had donated a large sum of money uh, She donated a million dollars to my lab in Toronto. And that was what part of what um, gave me my funding this year as a PhD student. So they had asked us to write a, a thank you letter. And so I, I read up on her life and I was like, Oh my gosh, she's, she's so cool. She plays piano and violin like me. And she was homeschooled for part of her life like me and, you know, loves music like me and like loves music and health. So I was just kind of like inspired by her. So my, my letter to her, you know, I wrote her all about, I'm, this is me and this is what I'm doing. And thank you so much. And all of that. And she had written me back. She had written me back cool. just like a note to thank me. And so I just, it was just what I needed that day to remember, like, like, I don't know, an affirmation of like, okay, I'm still this PhD student and this like love from this woman that I've never met, but who has made this great tangible impact in my life this year, you know? Um, awesome. So it was just, it was That's just, cool. I, and so I, I, I kind of spun and danced around the kitchen a bunch of times. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> a good moment. That's Actually, awesome. Paul J. Kim, who um, he's like a Catholic speaker in the Steubenville circuit and other things and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I follow him on Instagram and he posted this reel this morning about dancing in like Ikea or grocery store or something. Just like, he's like, sometimes you just got to dance. And he like full on, like he does a full thing with like the moonwalk and everything. And it was awesome. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, I, I do dance in public, but not quite at that level. You know? <laughs> right. That's well, this is just in my dance. kitchen, but I, well, but still. You, know, you can branch out Nicole. It's all. Oh, right. oh, I do. I, I love dancing. <laughs> that's right. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. All right. Thank you note, so much, Anya, yeah. for being oh, with us. Like it was a sheer delight. Oh, it was, yeah, I love hearing when the inside, when your brain, the things that mm-hmm. that like make themselves into words and are uttered for the gifts of humanity. I love it. That was. Can we just write? That needs to be a quote, like an Aaron quote, right there. That a really unique word. way of saying. I like hearing you speak. Your thoughts <laughs> are awesome. We love That's right. them. That's and right. Like Anya has all these books behind her, you guys, for people who are listening, mm-hmm. and like she's read them. Like you yeah. know, you know, you people have books behind them they haven't yeah. read any of them that's not on you no that's true read them. so yeah. 
Thank you, Anya. We love you. And thank you. Um, thanks everybody for listening. Um, we will be wrapping up our Advent series. We're praying for you guys. It's so exciting as we kind of prepare for Christmas. I love this time of year, honestly. And we're taking a break for a couple weeks, I believe, and we'll Mm -hmm. see you back in January. Yep. January 17th. One more episode for this year, and then we'll be back in January. All right. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. Bye. Bye. Take care. Thank you for joining us for this episode of In the Thicket. If you like what you hear, give us a rating and hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes every Monday with more stories and honest conversations about life when the going gets rough and the hope and humor amidst it all. We'd love for you to join our community on Instagram and Facebook at In the Thicket Podcast. While you're there, let us know how we can pray for you. God bless and see you next week.